Welcome to episode 13 of the Dollars and Doctor Show. I'm your host, Gurthage Varn, founder and financial planner at White Coat Financial. Today, I'm privileged to host Dr. Simi Delon. Dr. Delon graduated from the BJS Dental College in Punjab, India in 2007. After she migrated to Canada, she attended the University of Washington School of Dentistry in Washington, USA, where she received her license to practice dentistry in North America. She has now been practicing dentistry for about 10 years, and between the time of initially recording this episode to now releasing it, Dr. Delon has started her own clinic. This episode is going to be particularly insightful for anyone who is a foreign-trained dentist looking to practice here in Canada. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Before you became, you know, a Canadian dentist and practicing, if we take it all the way back, could you give me just, you know, a very brief intro to where you grew up um, and ideally just life in India before you went to dental school? Okay, yeah, so I grew up in Punjab, um, which is north part of India, um, and just a middle class, you know, family upbringing, uh, you know, it's highly populated, you know, in India, it's highly populated. So there's always competition. It starts right from kindergarten. So it's very competitive. You know, everybody tries to be the number one. And, you know, you just have to like, more main focus is always on studies. Um, so that's how I grew up, you know, main focus was always studies. So in India, they say, you know, you're either a doctor or engineer or a disgrace to the family. So, you know, it like, it was kind of instilled from the beginning that healthcare and, you know, or like engineering or, and I was um, generally interested in sciences. So that kind of like formed my pathway, uh, but yeah, you know, I uh, didn't travel much, so basically just home to school and uh, both my parents were teachers. So a really, you know, really like, you know, middle class upbringing. Yeah, yeah, with my mother and sister who are younger to me. And I've heard that across the board, even from my mom and, and clients and friends I know who've come from India. There is here in Canada, we play sports. We, you know, we have video games. In India, it is just like you are studying all day long from kindergarten to when you start working. There is no in between. It is just like this very intense upbringing. It is, yeah, no video games for sure. I, I still remember I was little and you know, you have to finish your homework and the homework is not like here. Like my son is uh, nine years old and he just started getting homework. I went to school when I was two and a half. Um, that was my first time in school and I whispered started homework when we were like three four so you had to do the homework until i remember i used to sit on like terrace with my mom and she used to make me do homework till the sun sets and then i was allowed to go outside and play with friends and you know in india it's like neighbors and there's like 50 kids playing together so it was good and bad but yes definitely Fortunately or unfortunately, in my first few years, I started being like number one in class. And then you have to maintain it. Then yeah. there's no going back. <laughs> there's that expectation. And if you, you know, just don't, I don't know, I've had it here with an Indian mom of like, why'd you get 90% and not 95? And you unfortunately had that from, from a very yeah. young age, it sounds like, right? I in it all the way to the end and it was hard on my younger brothers and sisters they were always compared to me um but yeah yeah fair enough, fair enough. so i guess you were from day one it's either you know become a doctor or go to engineering but obviously you chose the doctor path but what made you to choose dentistry of all the different you know different types of doctors you could be whether that's optometry you're becoming a physician or a specialty within um being a physician so what was it that made you go you know what dentistry is for me and to add on to that, where did you go to dental school in India? So dentistry, I actually went to a dentist for the first time when I was in grade 10. We never went to a dentist before that. It was just not that prevalent. And, you know, we brushed and never flossed, brushed our teeth, but that was all about it. Um, so I went to the dentist and then I had a few cavities. She fixed them. I genuinely got really intrigued by, you know, like how she treated us. She really educated. Uh, she educated us and how to brush and floss. And, you know, so I got like into dentistry and when in India after grade 12 
um, there is like one test for healthcare system. So you write that test for everybody, for doctors or doc, um, you know, dentists, nurses. So you write that test and then you can decide if, you know, and also there's ranking system. So the highest rank rankings, they go become doctors or you can choose. So I was kind of in the middle in there and then I could have chosen to be a doctor, but then, um, I had talked to a few uh, other, you know, our friends and we talked to each other and I kind of wanted a good, um, you know, work and home balance. And I knew like in like if you go be a doctor or something like that, you you have to work sometimes, you know, um, different hours of the day. And this kind of seemed like what I wanted to do. I really didn't want to, you know, like work like 24 hours a day and go into different hospitals and stuff. And so dentistry kind of fit in all my, like it check all my boxes. And so that's how I got introduced to dentistry. And then I was um, lucky to go to a very good dental school in uh, India. It was in Ludhiana. It's called Baba Jaswant Singh Dental College. Um, so that is where I graduated. Um, yeah. yeah. And then you go from grade 12 right to a dental school or a medical school in India. So by the time I was 22, I was a dentist. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no in between. It's no, just there, yeah. there anything. And I guess maybe even fast forwarding a little bit to where you are now and, and tracking back. Um, could you tell me about the decision to move to Canada? Was it premeditated where you knew, you know, while you're in dentistry school that you're going to be coming to Canada? Or did, was that decision made, you know, after you finished and you graduated? Uh, no, it was even before dental school. Most of our relatives live in Canada, you know, from my mom's side, from my dad's side. Um, and also looking at opportunities in Canada and considering we were middle class, you know, we're not like super rich. And so it was kind of, you know, in the talks, like in our family, when everybody is in Canada, that eventually, you know, better opportunities in Canada. So um, we will moved to Canada and then it worked out. I was married here and then, yeah. So that's how I moved to Canada. Understood. Well, I guess, was that scary then? Cause you're going through, if you knew you're going to come to Canada, you know, before you're in dentistry school or while you're in it, was it harder to study then? Cause you're like, well, I'm going to study, do all this work and go through dentistry school. But when I go to Canada, I have to start over anyways. How was that process for you? Even just emotionally and then logistically. Actually, no, because I knew that all this study and all the, you know, the like the tests and everything that I'm going through in in India, I knew it would help me. Um, and it actually does help you when you move to Canada. It's you. You don't have to really start from scratch. You kind of start from the middle, like maybe a little bit even far ahead from the middle. So I kind of knew that, you know, it is going to help me. So I never had any hesitation or anything in like, you know, studying. And in India, mostly in dental school, um, their, their main focus is on studies again, you know, like theory, like you are really good at like books and everything. Uh, practical, maybe not so much in India. So by the time I graduated, I really knew all my basics and my concepts were really clear, um, but I hadn't had any clinical experience. Like uh, I had some, but not like, you know, I wasn't very confident in like clinics and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I wasn't scared. I was excited. I was always, you know, um, yeah, I never had that fear or never had that, uh, oh, like, what am I doing? Like, I have to start all over. Um, I was kind of excited to, you know, go do finish that thing and then start in Canada. I think that's really nice to hear for even me being born and raised here. I found that we often, myself included, will complain about Canada. Um, like, oh, why am I not further ahead or something? You've gone through it. You were a dentist. Then you come to Canada and you at least career wise kind of have to start over. I know education wise, not all the way. But yeah, you had to start over career wise. And, and this is really where I wanted to ask my next question is hey. I love your story about all the random jobs you did when you first got here. Could you tell me about some of those jobs? And yeah. also, what was that experience like? Was it frustrating or were you just like, you know what? I'm going to have to do this as part of the process. 
Um, yes. Yeah, so again, like in India, my career wasn't started. You know, I just had graduated and then I moved to Canada. Like I even a few months before I actually I, I had to go back to get my like degree and like graduation convocation and stuff. Um, but yeah, again, you know, I was excited to start my life in Canada. So I don't remember uh, that I was ever frustrated. Um, I, I hardly get frustrated in life, actually. <laughs> so, um, but when I moved here, um, you know, I got into like married life, you know, like with my husband and um, kind of dentistry went to the side for a little bit. I started working jobs. I actually wasn't even clear, like how to, how is all this going to happen? I hadn't done my full research in India. So when I moved here, you know, I started, I'm like, okay, now I'm here. So, you know, I might as well just do something. Um, and then I started working. My first job was at 7-Eleven and where I was fired, like, I don't know, three days into the job. It was because uh, the currency, like the, you know, we have rupees in India and it's totally different. So I wasn't very familiar. And then that uh, manager or owner, whoever that was, he wanted me to give the change to the customers really fast, like count it really fast and give it to them. But I was like, okay, dime, nickel. <laughs> I'm like doing that. And he's like, he's like standing like that and looking at me and like, you know, shaking his head. He's like, and I still remember, like he said that um, in Punjabi, uh, and which meant in English was like, you know, nothing, like you can't do anything in Canada. Like, you know, you are like a gone case. And <laughs> I actually, even then, you know, I wasn't like crying or anything. I'm like, I'll show you, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, you know, from tomorrow I want something. I want someone who is like faster in counting money and stuff. So, you know, he's like, you can look for something else. And then I got, and then I got another job at another 7-Eleven and I worked there for like, I think almost seven, eight months. Um, so I had, uh, by that time I had, uh, you know, started counting money. So I knew how to count money. Um, oh, and then, yeah, uh, sometimes I feel like I still know where his gas station is. I'm like, I don't know if he's there. I should just go and say hi to him. <laughs> Honestly, but, you have to buy a Seven Eleven at this point. You just got to do it. You got to go buy one, become a franchise owner. It's a good investment. And honestly, just be like, you know, the story would sound so cool from I, being fired from 7-Eleven to owning one. Yeah. Not that far <laughs> off. We can get you there, I'm sure. <laughs> no, but I, I love that. I remember when I saw that and I was like, you went from being fired at 7-Eleven for not being able to count change to now being a dentist, which is, I would yeah. argue, one of the most respected professions in Canada. You're a doctor. It's just, it's an awesome story from, you know, start to finish. Um, but maybe you could take me back a little bit between when you were working, you said mm -hmm. it wasn't this premeditated idea to become a dentist actually here in Canada. So at what moment were you just deciding, you know what, enough's enough. I don't want to do these jobs anymore. I want to get my license here in Canada. Um, so was there a moment where there was a specific time when you said, I'm going to do this? Um, or did, you know, you think about it before you even started working in those odd jobs? Um, yes, no. So I did start working these jobs and still dentistry wasn't, you know, it, for some reason it just got to the side. So then I started working at a call at a different call center. So eventually I started getting into like healthcare. I started working for a, like an online pharmacy, um, in Burnaby. I started working there. Um, so it was like a call center for like an online pharmacy. So I, you know, I'm like, Oh, there's, you know, medications. And I, I was very good at pharmacology, um, back in India. So I got into there and then eventually I uh, started working, uh, in, Squamish at a dental clinic they had a job for like a receptionist so I worked as a dental receptionist for almost a year um, and then you know I learned all the like insurance stuff and I actually really wanted to learn all that because you know back in India again in dental school they don't teach you this stuff and it was very interesting and then I think eventually uh, I would see patients going in, getting their work done, and then coming out and talking to me. And I loved, I loved the, doing this. But I don't know, it was like 
in a few days, I was like, hmm, I don't think I belong out here. You know, sometimes they come out with fillings. I'm like, you know what? I belong in there, uh, not out here. So and then I had another friend, my best friend from India, and we both graduated at the same time. So then she started talking about it. And then I think when I got into that dental clinic working as a receptionist is when it kind of, you know, brought me back that what I had to come back into dentistry. And then we both decided and then we started studying. And then so that was kind of the moment when I, you know, when I realized that, yeah, I do belong in there. Yeah, you belong in the operatory, not out at the front desk. Yeah. So maybe you could walk me through your process, like step by step. I know it's probably different now and we'll come back to that later. But what was the process you had to go through, you know, to get licensed in Canada? So there were two options um, in, in back in those days, getting into a kid because Canada only has eight or 10 dental schools and U.S. has 50 dental schools. So and I think probably now it's the same. Uh, but back in those days, if getting into a Canadian dental school for this. So there's for international dentists, there's upgrading program. You can get into upgrading program. Uh, they didn't have any. Uh, at that time, there were only two options. You either apply to a Canadian dental school or you can apply to an American dental school. Chances of going into an American dental school were higher just because there were more dental schools there. Um, so I actually never even applied for Canadian dental schools. Um, you know, I already had like seven years like went by. I hadn't gone back into dentistry, so I didn't want to waste any more time. Um, so at that time, I was like, you know, so rather than applying for a dental school in Canada and then, you know, not going in, not not getting into it, you know, I would rather just get into a U.S. dental school. Um, so I applied and they have uh, NBDE, you know, you have to write uh, entrance exam and then you apply to different dental schools. And it was the same process for Canada as well. Um and then they interview you. So I fortunately, you know, I applied to almost six or seven dental schools in U.S. And I wanted to be in Seattle because that was closest to Canada. I could travel back and forth. So um, uh, they only selected four international students out of like hundreds that apply. So Seattle was the toughest to get in. Uh, and then I got in. Uh, you know, I was I was very lucky to be able to get in. I loved that school. So you go directly into third year. So um, so you just have to not even like have. I think in the spring um, spring uh, term of third year. So you do like almost half of like third year and then fourth year and then you graduate with them. Um, so bad then. Yeah. So it was like a year and a half kind of, you know, in a dental school. And then um, and then I knew I had to come back to Canada. So all I graduated from there, got my DDS degree, um, just like other dental students, and then came back to Canada. And then you have to write a license exam here, which you still have to do even now um, with the other Canadian graduates. So I wrote that license exam and then I was licensed in here. Okay. I would assume when you finish uh, and you graduated from University of Washington, the process of practicing in Canada would be the exact same if you were born and raised in the States and wanted to come and practice in Canada, correct? You would yeah, just be, it's like more of international uh, equivalency, correct? Yeah. So it was just, yeah. So the, the process after that is exactly the same. Okay. Interesting. And you touched on this earlier, but I wanted to ask again, um, how would you compare dental dentistry school in India versus the University of Washington? What were sort of the, the biggest differences between the two styles or the education and career paths? The biggest difference I felt was, again, you know, in India, the main focus was just books and very less practical and clinical. But in University of Washington, right from third year, you start going into clinics, um, you get your white coat, you know, there's a white coat ceremony. And after that, you start going into, you know, clinics and um, like the patient management and uh, how to deal with patients and all that was way more in University of Washington. I feel like if I hadn't gone to um, University of Washington, I wouldn't be 
very confident coming out of a dental school, treating patients right away. Of course, you get that with experience. Um, but yeah, that was the main difference. Um, you know, we had like quizzes in University of Washington. It's so funny, like every Friday. And they had 10 questions. And the, you know, the uh, my friends who were already in University of Washington, like Americans, they were like, they were stressed about those 10 questions all week. We're like, seriously, <laughs> these 10 questions, like, you know, because we're so used to like studying in India and, you know, reading books and going into like concepts. So it felt really easy for me. Um, but yeah, the clinical part is more here. So that makes sense because I would, yeah, you obviously just growing up in India, like you already mentioned, there's a rigorous sort of education process or path you have to go through and it is a lot more competitive. So that, yeah, it makes sense that when you get here, the the book side of things was easy because you're like, I already did, did this. I This is just really a refresher on everything I already know. Um, it yeah. was really just the clinical stuff that you struggled with. But that's great that you actually got that practice then before you start practicing here. So in India, they don't do like clinical. You just sort of thrown into the fire when you graduate and it hears someone's mouth and do the work. No, you do clinical, as I said, like, but it's not it's not much. It's, you know, I would say like a month in one department, a month for doing fillings, a month for doing, you know, um, root canals. So it's, yeah, not much stress is given on clinical. Interesting. Well, yeah. I guess now that you're practicing and, and things have changed quite a bit, if you had to go back and redo this process today, um, do you have any advice or what are the steps that it would take in today's day and age to get licensed in Canada. So ideally, if you could maybe walk through the step-by-step -step process and also what the cost of all this is, because there's just a million fees that we can go over. So maybe you could give me both is, what's the step-by-step -step process as of today, um, as well as what are the costs associated with that process of getting licensed in Canada as a foreign trained dentist? All right, so yeah, now they have changed. So first, what I would do different is I wasn't, you know, I uh, underestimated myself when I only applied to U.S. schools. I would, you know, because I got into Seattle, University of Washington, where they only accepted four students, um, I would have applied to Canadian school uh, back then. Uh, but at that time, I just, you know, felt like, took the easy way out or whatever you can say. Um, so I would apply to a Canadian school when, you know, if I had to go over again. But now um, they have this new licensing where you don't have to go to a school. Uh, you have to pass a um, few exams, which do take about a year or two years. Um, to just pass those exams because you first have to prep for those exams. Um, they're called AFK and then the clinical aspect of AFK, it's assessment of fundamental knowledge. Um, so now you don't have to go to a dental school uh, to get a license here. So you pass those exams, which are of course very hard, but they're doable, you know, um, hard work. Um, and then they do take about a year or two years to complete those exams. And then you can directly write uh, the license exam, which the Canadian dental students write in the end um, to get a license to practice in Canada. Interesting. So yeah, that is another thing that, you know, now, even if I have to redo it, I would be like, you know, do you want to spend maybe a year, two years, like trying to write those exams and then you don't have, you know, then you still, there's the chance that you won't pass those exams or you can write an exam to get into a dental school, learn the ways how you practice in Canada. And then once you graduate from here, from a dental school in Canada, then definitely, you know, you will get a license. Yeah, I think there's that trade-off and it'll depend on everyone's situation because I've had clients who were practicing before they came to Canada meaning they felt pretty comfortable with the clinical side of things. So they're like, I don't want to go to dentistry school again. I just want to go directly and write the exams, which it seems like that's the better path. But maybe for someone like you who thought, you know what, done the schooling, I don't feel comfortable with the clinical. Maybe you go through the school, you do the clinical, you come out feeling confident, and then you write those final you know, board exams. So I guess it really depends on your situation, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's so true. 
Um, like I have some of the dentists who are working with me at my clinic, you know, they had their own practices in India. So that does make sense. You know, if you have like your own practice, you want to challenge these exams and see if you get into, um, you know, if you can just get um, the license this way. Um, cost wise, like you were talking about before, um, I think both ways cost wise is um, not that much of a difference. Uh, going into a dental school, I would say is uh, maybe a bit more expensive for sure. Um, Time-wise, you know, you can say the time-wise is pretty much about the same. Um, I went to dental school in US and I think by the end of it, I had about um, 450,000 debt um, altogether. And that is, you know, all those years of like, Oh, and a, a year and a half of dental school and then, you know, cost of living there and then you're not earning any money. Um, and then even before when I was prepping for those exams uh, for at least seven to nine months, I couldn't do any job. I had to, you know, I had to study for it. You have to study um, 17 to 18 hours a day for about seven to eight months. Uh, you have to go through your dental books again. And then there's other, you know, material that you have to go through. Um but uh, considering on the other side, these even these uh, challenging exams are not not cheap. Uh, you know, depending if you pass it the first time, uh, you're still looking at maybe half of that. Uh, you know, two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand of debt. And that's just to write the exams, correct? Those are the license. Sorry, the exam writing fees plus I would assume any courses and books you have Course. to get prior to that, correct? Yeah. And you said the exams take a year to two years if you, you know, pass them in an efficient manner. How many exams are a part of that process? So there is, again, there is a total of about five exams. So you first start uh, the assessment of fundamental knowledge. So there's three exams in that. You know, there's a written part and then there's uh, two of the clinical parts. And then if you clear those, uh, then for getting a license, the NBDE exam, and then that has two more components to it. It's the written part and then the OSCE. So these are the exams. And then, um, yeah, these, one, these are the five just to challenge it. Interesting. Now I'm going to ask one more question and, and we can cut this out later if you'd like to or not, but how did you pay for all these exams? And, and I'll preface that question with when usually I meet a foreign trained dentist, they're already practicing. I'm giving them advice on what to do now that they're a dentist. I never really meet them prior to them becoming a dentist. Um, and I know for the clients that I have who are in dentistry school and they're born and raised in Canada, it's a lot more straightforward. You get a government student loan, you get a professional student line of credit, and that should pay for all your education, pay for your living costs, so on and so forth. But in your situation, how did you finance all this? Are there financing options available to you know people in your situation? Or did you have to rely on friends and family for the cost of this stuff? So the lucky part for me was that I was a permanent resident here because I got it through my husband. And then we got um, we got a student loan from TD Bank. And that was not much, I think it was 60, $70,000. But the main um, a part of our credit line was through the, our house mortgage. So they gave me a 350 or 375,000, um, you know, line of credit. So that is what I used. Wow. Yeah, see, that would be really tough if you didn't own real estate, because I'm thinking- yeah, as a student, you know, let's say I'm born and raised in Canada and I want to go to, let's say U of T. I could go to any bank, get a professional student line of credit. I have no income by the way at this point. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in my early 20s and I get $300,000 student line of credit. Um, I don't have to go and own property or anything like that. And there's certain banks that will let you do it without a coastman. And so I could imagine that's another barrier to entry for any foreign trained dentist. If they don't have the same financing options. So that must make it so difficult for anyone who isn't in your situation where, you know, they have a husband and they have a house that they live in. That's true. Yeah. And some of my friends that are challenging the exam, you know, they they are working constantly. So that's where it takes longer time to get license, you know, but they what most of them try to do is get a uh, get um 
license for dental assisting, um, you know, and that way you can make more money. Um, and then also you are like in a dental field and then you can, you know, get experience too. But, um, and then I also heard some of my friends getting a co-signer. So some of them get like another dentist to sign for them and then they go work with the dentist for like three, four years, you know, so it's kind of like an agreement um, that they do and get someone to co-sign for them. Yeah, but yes, it is hard if you're like on a student visa and um, you can't get those credit lines. Yeah. Yeah, that just seems like it's really difficult. But I guess to summarize it is whether you decide to go directly to apply and challenge the exams and then, you know, do it that way, or you decide to go to dental school for those last, you know, two years, the cost is relatively similar, Correct. Because you went to school in, in the States, so I'd assume you paid international fees. But if you're within Canada, the cost is going to end up being somewhat close, correct? Yeah, it is. It is relatively similar. Yeah. yeah. And I guess even if the timeline's relatively similar, it seems like a much better option to just go directly into dentistry school. Um. Also, like you said, it depends, mm -hmm. you know, it depends if you want to, like, if you, if you challenge the exams, of course, you can kind of work, work and then earn money. Um, you know, you can get like a, dent as I said, dental assisting program, do that. And it does kind of, you know, I would say save a bit more money and makes more sense if you can just challenge the exams and you don't have to go through a dental school mm -hmm. now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I appreciate all your feedback and the transparency on the finances for that. So very, very helpful. Um, I guess now that you've gone through the fire and you're practicing, could you tell me a little bit about the practice that you're currently in? What type of cases do you work with? What does your day-to-day -day life look like in the in the job? So I started this practice. It was a private practice when I started working. I have been an associate, you know, until now. It's been 10 years now. Um, it recently in the last uh, uh, three, four years, it has been owned by a corporation now. Um, so it is, you know, private practice. I mostly see the um, simple cases. I, I like to keep my life simple. Um, you know, I don't go into really complicated like root canals and stuff or, you know, complicated surgeries. Um, we're lucky in Williams Lake at our clinic. We get specialists coming um, every few months. We have like oral surgeon coming up. We have the root canal specialist and the periodontist. So we kind of try to refer those patients to the specialists. And then, you know, normal, I work from like nine to um, four and um, with like half an hour break. So um, living in kind of like a rural area, you do get more experience and you do get more patients. You know, I sometimes see almost 25 to 30 patients a day. So that's a lot compared to what you do in Vancouver or, you know, Surrey area where um, there's so much competition. So I feel that I made a really good decision to get like I was here only for three years. That's all I wanted to do, just get some experience in Williams Lake and then move to a bigger city. Uh, but I've been here since then. It is a very nice place to live and the lifestyle is is quieter. It's more calm rather than, you know, being in, let's say, Toronto or Vancouver or in the GTA or GBA. It's a, a nice slower pace to life, but you're still getting those reps in. you're still seeing a lot of patients and your income levels rel arguably the same, if not maybe even a little bit higher. Whereas your cost of living is just drastically lower. So it's a really nice balance. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, I guess now that you're practicing as well, could you give me some insight as to the expectation of dentistry versus what it's like actually practicing? So maybe could you walk me through the best parts of the job, the worst parts of the job, and maybe what your schooling and education didn't prepare you for when you started practicing on your own? Uh, the best part of the job, what I feel is, it's very rewarding. Um, uh, you know, you, you get to help people and that's always, always a good feeling when, you know, 
somebody's in pain, you get them out of pain. And it's financially, it's a rewarding career as well. And then I think another thing is it's a good, like, I don't have to work at nights and I don't have to work, you know, on the weekends. I can pick my hours. I can work eight to three if I want to. Um, I can not work on Fridays if I don't want to. Um, so I think that kind of balance that I get, I really like about it. Um, and also it's, um, it doesn't get boring. I get to do different stuff and then there's so much to learn because it keeps changing, you know, things in dentistry. Um, now there's so many new things coming, so it never gets boring. Um, and so those are the good things. Um, bad things about dentistry is couple, um, but I think they're all, it's kind of very lonely profession. Um, because you're kind of expected to be like the leader or the boss. And then if you are working in a clinic where you're the only dentist, um, then, you know, you have your staff and you're expected to like lead and you're expected to know everything. And then, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like you work in the small room and then you work in the small and then you work in mouth all day long. You know, it's um, so like, technically sensitive that you know you cannot like you know it's kind of mentally and physically it's stressful um so that is what i felt like and burnout is in dentistry you burn out very very fast if you're not taking regular breaks if you're not you know um like taking yourself away from dentistry um so those are the things that i think need to be worked on and then few things that they don't teach you in dental school first is uh, finances very important you know i learned it the hard way <laughs> uh, i mean they don't like even simple things like getting incorporated when you become a dentist like nobody talks about it in dental school and you you don't know you know getting an accountant right away um so these kind of things finances is one thing even in University of Washington, I think we had one lecture for one hour and that's it. Um, so those are the important things, um, you know, getting simple things like life insurances, disability insurances, things like that, they don't teach. And also um, I would say it is very different because in dental school, you see one patient one day in one day. And then all of a sudden you start your first day at your job. And then the first day you have like 10 patients and then you don't know like what to do. You are, you are, you know, so those are the things that uh, you don't get really prepared in dental school. You have to learn it on your own. Well, I could echo everything you just said, because on the, financial literacy side of things. That's literally what I'm trying to solve with this podcast where, you know, half the episodes are interviews with dentists and doctors like yourself, where the other half of the episodes I should be able to teach you. The goal really is by the time I finish these episodes, you could probably be your own advisor if you wanted to, because you'll know everything I know. Um, so I'm hoping to solve that problem myself. Um, but yeah, there's just so much you don't know. And you're so focused on going to school, becoming this profession, sorry, becoming a dentist, becoming a doctor. And you're so entrenched in this profession that it doesn't leave a lot of room to look at things other than that, like learning about, you know, finances or whether I should incorporate or taxes and all that. So shamelessly that a plug, that's what we help with. Um, but even to your other point of, you know, the, the tough parts of the job, I don't want to paint with a broad brush here, but I do find it's the dentists who have one of the more difficult jobs in that sense, because it is a lot more physical. You know, if you become a physician or an optometrist, I would argue it's not as physical. Dentistry, you know, you're in a chair all day. A lot of the times you're bent over. Um, and yeah, it is very isolating. You can't talk to your patient. Their mouth is, you know, open or they're sedated. Um, you don't, you are working in this tiny little area. And precision is so important. You have to be almost perfect. And I think when you're a perfectionist and everything has to be perfect, it bleeds through into other areas of your life as well where you have to be perfect when you're cleaning, you have to be the perfect mother, you have to be the perfect partner. And it like bleeds through into other areas. And I, I could be wrong, I could be, again, generalizing, but I've noticed that more with my clients who are dentists. They're perfectionists in not just their work, but in everything else as well. And that is difficult, mentally at least. That is so true. Yeah. Dentists, 
hygienists, uh, the perfectionist, and you're so true. Like, you know, even with my son, like he had, he, I'm like, I feel bad for him. <laughs> you poor thing. I try to change myself, but it comes out. I just can't stop it. Oh no, you didn't write this A properly. Oh no, it's it has to be like that. So, and so it's very, very, you know, um, like, as you said, it's very stressful. Um, so taking regular breaks. And um, one thing that I always recommend, whoever asks me what, what they should, you know, one thing that they should really invest their money is I'm like, get a therapist. Just get a therapist, you know, it's not, it's nothing to be shameful about, but you, it is so important to take care of your physical health and your mental health. Um, You you need two therapists. You need a massage therapist and like an actual therapist. (laughs) Yeah. You need both definitely at the dentist. Yeah. Um, I guess sort of to conclude our episode, I ask all our uh, guests three common questions because I think they give a lot of insight into a person. Um, so my first one is who are your biggest inspirations? Um, and this could be, you know, multiple people. It could be one person. Maybe give me just like the main one or the main couple that you look up to the most. Um, well, growing up, it's always been my mom. My mom has always been, you know, a perfectionist herself, <laughs> which came into me. Um, so, you know, growing up, she has always been this like forward thinking and, you know, like back in middle, uh, being in a middle class in India, you know, there there was like some kind of like differentiating between girls and boys. It was a thing back then, but um, she never let that happen in our family and, uh so she's always I always look up to her. Um, and then the other thing, a um, few of my instructors in um, back in India as well and uh, University of Washington, um, really like how to, you know, how to how to just deal with life in general. And then my best friend, uh, you know, back in uh, California, she um, she always inspires me too. she went to dental school and she had her kids. I didn't have my kid, my kid yet. But, you know, she went through it. She left her kids here in California. She went to Boston and um, and doing all that, you know, um, I'm like with my I can't even leave my son for a day. Uh, so, you know, just I I get inspired from everybody. I think even patients coming in and just seeing their positivity in life. And uh, it's just I think everybody is inspiring you are inspiring what you are doing it's just yeah your inspiration is everywhere around you i don't think i can like pick one or two um just try to see good things in people and everybody's trying to do their best in life so um you know it's just human beings are inspiring oh thank you for the kind words and i absolutely love that answer because i agree you can find inspiration in anything and from anyone even if there's someone you don't necessarily look up to for the good things, you could be like, okay, well, I'm going to take inspiration to not do those things that this person did. You really can learn from everyone and be inspired from everyone. So I, I love that answer. Um, I guess my next question then as part of these big three is what's next for you personally as Simi and professionally as Dr. Tillo? Um, Personally, for me, is to try to get uh, more time for myself. Um, you know, for the last 10 years, I have been working a lot. So, you know, maybe like trying to uh, reduce my work a little bit here. Um, and uh, other than that, you know, trying to get more into physical exercise. And um, again, you know, taking care of my mind. Um, because when you first start as a dentist, you know, you don't take care of those things and then they kind of build up. So it is high time that, you know, I start um, doing that. Uh, professionally, I think for now, I'm, you know, quite content to be an associate. At some point, I'm thinking of maybe getting my own practice um, and, um, you know, get a clinic. And uh, But for now, I I I am content. Um, my son is growing up. He's almost nine now. So these are the next few years that, you know, he'll need his parents more in his life and, you know, not to be like really busy in our work. So just kind of trying to get that balance for now. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one big factor that goes into it is your family and you know how much support are your kids going to need when they're teenagers or depending even on their temperament, how much do you have to watch over them? Are they really good kids? Are they a little mischievous? There's a lot of that really goes into your career and your personal. And at the end of the day, it all is just combined into one thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you for for that answer. Um, and because this is the Dollars and Doctor show, um, I ask all of our our guests, what's the worst financial decision you've ever made that you think that you've made so far? And then what would you on the flip side say is the best financial decision you've ever made so far? Um, I think the worst was like, I didn't get incorporated for oh. the long time. And that really hurt me <laughs> with my taxes. I had like no idea. And that was the worst financial decision. Um, the best was one of the orthodontists um, who works in Williams Lake. He gave us, uh, he gave all of us dentists in my clinic. He gave us a book called uh, The Millionaire Teacher by Andrew Hallam. Um, reading that book, I think, was my best financial like decision because it kind of got me into investment and, you know, um, doing my own like index funds and all that Um so it was the best financial decision. I started following that book and slowly I got into investing. Um, that's an important part of, you know, being a dentist, uh, taking care of your money. Um, so that is what I think was my best decision. Yeah, I think those books and educational content is so important because even if it doesn't teach you everything, it at least sparks your interest. And then you start being more mindful of it, of, okay, maybe I could do this a little bit better. It just really takes that initial spark, I think, for a lot of people, because it is a scary subject. It's not everyone wants to do investing or learn about their finances. And a lot of people, maybe your partner takes care of it. So it's so important for everyone to be in some ways involved, or at least intrigued about what's going on. Yeah, but it is so complicated. Like the finances are my worst nightmare. <laughs> and it's just, you know, like accounting and because I've no, I'm not really like a, you know, a business kind of, you know, person. So, and I have made, you, you don't have to put it in there, but I have made so many worst financial decisions in my life. Uh, it is, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my last 10 years, I could have done this. I could have done that. And uh, but yeah, it's not everybody's forte for sure. You can be a, such a good dentist. And at, at the end of the day, you have like nothing left. I'm like, what happened to all my money? You're, you're not alone in that aspect. That's literally who we service every day. Because like I said, you're a doctor. It takes so much energy and, and focus to be great in that profession. It doesn't leave a lot of room for other things. So you shouldn't feel bad. You're definitely not alone. Um, I, I guess. Sorry. Sorry. Like some dentists I see, they they know everything. I'm like, how do you know everything? So I think it's also like some people are really interested in all that, right? So they just kind of get all the knowledge they can and then they just know everything. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a big part of it is how interested are you in this? Because some people I know it's like they're, I have clients where their like part-time hobby is to, you know, learn about investing. And I, I would argue there's some of them who I'm like, you know, as much as I do, like, I don't know why you're calling me. <laughs> you're good on, on your own, but it, it just really depends on how interested you are in some of these things. Um, I guess to wrap this up, cause I know we're coming up on our time here. Um, do you have any final words of, of wisdom or advice to, you know, any of your fellow doctors out there, whether that be physicians or optometrists or even dentists, or more specifically to, you know, any foreign trained dentists or foreign trained doctors, any words of wisdom or, or final thoughts to, to anyone out there who might be listening to this? Um, well, one thing, and then I keep saying that over and over, is hard work will always pay off. Uh, if you think that this is what you want to do, um, give it your 100%. And uh, I I don't really believe in, you know, like chances too much. But I mean, if you <laughs> hard work will pay off. Um, so keep at it is what I would say. Um, and, you know, I mean, you can you can achieve your goals. Yeah, I think that is a perfect place to leave it. On. <laughs> I don't have much to say after that. Thank you so much for for taking the time to be on here. I know you're away and you're out of town right now, but. Again, thank you for coming on, being a guest and sharing your story. I think this is going to be such valuable information for, you know, anyone who's a foreign trained professional looking to, you know, become licensed in Canada. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And it was so good to do this. And, you know, I really appreciate your content. And it, I mean, I learned so much from it. And I'm like, wow, he's just giving it to everybody. That's like, that's such a good thing. And it's so valuable too. Um, so thank you for that. Absolutely. There will be lots, lots more. We're only, I think on, I don't know what episode this is going to be, but we're only on episode seven of the podcast. I think it'll take to like episode hundred for me to even just get past the basics and then it'll be just fun stuff from there. So wow. I, I'm excited. I <laughs> no, thanks again to me. I really do appreciate it. And that concludes our 13th episode of the Dollars and Doctor Show. Thank you to Dr. Delon for coming on the podcast and sharing her insights and her path to becoming a dentist in Canada. If you'd like to get in touch with Dr. Delon, I've included her social media links in the description of this episode. This episode was brought to you by White Coat Financial. Our goal at White Coat Financial is to change the financial planning industry by combining a fiduciary duty with a one-stop shop experience for our clients. If you're a Canadian doctor and you're looking for financial advice on mortgages, investing, insurance, taxes, or any other financial matters, visit our website, www.whitecoatfinancial.ca. On our website, you'll be able to schedule a free initial consultation to learn about how White Coat Financial can help you protect your income, grow your money, and live better. If you have any questions or feedback for us, you can email me directly at gurthage at whitecoatfinancial.ca. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your time. And thank you for your ongoing support. I look forward to speaking with you soon. The information contained in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not to be taken as financial advice. While the host of this podcast is a registered financial planner, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as financial advice. Before making any financial decisions, you should always consult with a financial professional about your unique circumstances and personal situation. The hosts and guests of this podcast are not responsible for any errors or omissions or for any actions taken based on the information provided in this podcast. It is the responsibility of the listener to do their own due diligence and make informed financial decisions.